My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry, and I used to be friends a long time ago. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy, recently disavowed by the U.S. government who uses his special ops training to help others in trouble. You know, I think when you host an episode, you say masterpiece sincerely, and when I host an episode, <laughs> I say it ironically. That's, and that's the difference between us. It really, <laughs> truly is. Uh, throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. B and C aren't mutually exclusive, but they are unique in how to measure them. A great episode of television has good writing and storytelling, but a great episode of Burn Notice, according to us, Brie and Chris, has at least three of the following criterion. Number one, Michael Weston solves the weekly problem with spycraft rather than violence. Number two, Michael Weston's spy advice voiceover involves more practical spy advice rather than passive spy observations. Number three, Michael Weston debuts or revisits a distinct alias. And number four, the show's sidekicks, Sam and Fiona, are used well, meaning that A, Fiona gets to blow something up or use her explosives expertise, and or B, Sam gets to be peak Bruce Campbell. Remember, spoilers are are coming up, so either watch the episodes along with us or shut up. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, the home address of Jeffrey Donovan, and no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's burnnoticed with a D. Or our Twitter, at burnnoticedpod. And speaking of Twitter and Jeffrey Donovan, uh, Chris, I recently discovered what Jeffrey Donovan's Twitter at is. Would you like to guess? Um... It's, oh, it's, is it at used to be a spy? No, it's not. It's at Wicked Pissa JD. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. Wait. Oh. I had to double check today because I was, I was uh, tagging him in something and I was like, is this fake? It's verified, motherfucker. Wait, and this is... Okay, here's what I'm trying to figure out. Wicked Pissa. Is he from from Boston? I have no idea. Because that sounds very Boston. But was that what you were expecting? Was not what I was expecting. I'm glad we did this on mic. (laughs) (laughs) No, but is he like, you know, like... He's like all a Boston Wicked Pissa. You know, like... I don't know. Wicked Pissa JD. Oh, yeah. Wicked Pissa JD over here. I can't do Boston. (laughs) No, you cannot. No. (laughs) Much like Fiona, can't do Irish. Exactly. All right. But this week, we're talking about a different episode. We're talking about season one, episode three, Fight or Flight, which aired July 12th, 2007, and was written by series creator Matt Nix, once again, along with credits for four other writers. Uh, The last episode also had a couple of, like, secondary credits, um, but it seems like old Matty Nixo... Uh, prefers to do yeah. the final pass himself, at least so far. Uh, and it was directed by Colin Buxy, who directed two later season episodes as well. So they didn't totally burn him, but mm. he didn't come back for a couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting fact. All right, so plot. The cold open of this episode is extremely boring and makes no sense. <laughs> and I want to know, since you watched it today and I watched it last week, if you can help me out. So Michael and Fiona are staking out an international conference of vague description with the FBI nearby. Michael is trying to get the name of the person who burned him. And so he's like, international conference. I'm sure someone there will know something. Exactly. Uh, Fiona wants to shoot and Michael's boring and says no. Yeah. 
Yeah, she wants to bring a gun, and he's like, we don't need to take a gun into this place. (laughs) And that's the end of that. Uh, So Michael, at one point, decides to brazenly slip inside, spewing bullshit and actively looking into, like, this international conference's files. He just, like, wanders into a random room, starts, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, we're just here to check some stuff, as he, like, looks through files. It's complete insanity. Oh, yeah. Why this conference? Why this room? Why this persona, Michael Weston? What's happening here? Um, he is, like, calling himself an intercompartmental liaison, which is a great bullshit title, but makes no sense in terms of, like, anything that we've learned about this scene so far. And then they're like, hey, what are you doing? But he happens to find the right file in the random room he decided to enter, and well, then he runs he, away. I assume he knew what room he was entering before he entered. Does he? Because he doesn't say anything to the effect. He just sort of wanders into a, again, quote unquote, international conference and is like, I bet they've got spies. And then he wanders into the like the place. He sneaks by some security and is like, I'm going to go into that room and say I'm an intercompa- interdepartmental uh, liaison. And then he's going to look through some files that happen to be around. He finds a man's name and then he like leaves chased by, uh, yeah. pursued by a... Bear. Exactly. Um, I think, like... Explain what's happening, because why this conference? Why this room? It's this conference because, I think as he says, that it's like, anytime there's a conference like that, there's always spies around. This is it's just a spy conference. It's like, spy times. It's like, this is where spies are. Like, there's, like, leaders and, like, ambassadors and stuff. That and, feels like, extremely dangerous to have such lack security. I mean, yeah. But, like, that's so... Okay, It's what's interesting about this is that, like, he's giving a generalized spy tip about how, basically, at a place like this that's, like, a high-security place... Like, there's usually a whole bunch of different bureaucracies operating at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so the trick is to, like, pretend like you're, like, one piece... You're Mr. Bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, like, the idea that he's going for is that he's pretending to be one type of bureaucracy, like, who is, like, in the middle of another piece of bureaucracy. Like, he's, like, that he's the wrong... That he's just, like, oh, I'm, I'm a different bureaucracy than the one you're thinking of, but I'm definitely a bureaucracy and I can be here. And, like, as a... As a spy tip, this is sort of not great. Well, but it's also, also like, open. it's so vague. Every decision that he makes, every piece of advice, every, like, setup here is so vague that it's like, this could be anything. I'm going to a clown convention because clowns have great disguises and therefore spies are here. It's like, cool, Michael. I guess I believe you. Uh, but no, but this is the thing, is that you shouldn't believe him because none of this works. Like, this is, like, the ultimate test of the idea of, like, if you walk around a place and you look like you know what you're doing... Like, that people will leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a situation in which that does not work. Like, Right, like, but also, like, nothing setting it up makes sense anyways. Like, like, because he gets what he wants out of it, ultimately, yeah. which is he gets a man's name. Yeah. I guess. We don't know why this man is important. But, like, it seems like what, he, like, what he's doing is, like, obviously bad bullshit. And, like... And he gets called on it. He gets called, like, he seems like... I mean, I don't know if that's, like, intentional, but it's, like... I don't think it is. But, like... No like, like, no one buys this at all. Like, yeah, no. the guy is, like, immediately, like... Who are you? Why are you why looking are you through our files? Exactly. Yeah, like, no, it's, like, it's which is so funny, especially, like, this early in this show. Yeah, to have like episode. him To have him state with confidence that this is how you do spy shit, and then have people immediately go, what are you doing? <laughs> You're acting like a spy. Yeah, and then he runs downstairs, and he tries to get out, um, and then he decides that he, he ends up on the roof, and then he jumps off the roof yeah. because, as we'll learn in one of the spy tips later, the thing, if you're getting chased, you have to be willing to do the thing that the other guy won't, yeah. which in some cases means jumping off a building. And then it yeah. turns out, wait, Fiona's gone. She was his getaway driver. Where is she? Yeah. 
Uh, but actually, the one good thing about this cold open is that it sets up a very specific plot point that'll carry us through the rest of the episode, which is related to cars. Because Fiona has, like, stolen a car for this excursion. Yeah. And she leaves because, like, Michael got in trouble and there was FBI everywhere. And she yeah. was like, I can't speed off in a stolen car. Exactly. That's going to be too, that's going to be too hot. Exactly. But yeah, that's about it. Uh, but yeah, so that's the cold open. I did not like it as much as last week's. Like, I, I really didn't like this episode a lot. I hate rewatching this episode. And I also thought that this cold open was dumber. Fair enough, it has less of a boring conversation between him and his mom. But it's not as exciting. All of it was bullshit. See, that's interesting to me because I much preferred this cold open. The last cold open had more spy shit. This one, he just like wanders in in a tan suit. But it and was like, like so much more. Well- I'm going to the boring convention to learn about the boring people. And this is the right room in the boring convention to do this exact. Like, it just it I, everything he said I didn't believe I didn't buy any of it the last episode I, mean, like, I bought it I yeah but that's the thing is I didn't mind that I didn't believe it because again no one else believed it no but I not not even I'm not even saying like his tactics were unbelievable I'm saying what is this conference what is this room he's chosen it's how a, is this important conference that is the spy convention that has high security that he can just wander by like none of the setup made sense to me like I mean, it's the like, parameters it's bit... of this situation are bullshit. Yeah, it is definitely sort of vague. The other one is like, I need a bug. Like, I I know that the room is bugs. I know what kind of bug it is because of this stuff. I know where to find the people who are listening to me. And then the people just narrowly escape, but I bust down a door and then there's a fire. I don't know. That's far more interesting to me. See, I will will give you this. Like, I think, like, the stakes of that first cold open are so much, the one from last week, are so much more clear than this one. This one is just so much more well shot. Yes. Oh, I, I will say that this is the most, like, competently, competently directed episode. Exactly. And so, like, whereas, like, it's pretty well paced at all times. Um, and, like, the bit where he jumps off the roof is fun. Like, yeah, it's, I, like it's a And fun... it's, like, a nice, like, it's a nice, like, climax to that whole sort of sequence. It it's... is, but I don't believe the sequence. And so, like, I think that you, like, while obviously I went on a 10-minute rant about the 180 rule in the first yeah. episode of this podcast, I clearly also care about the bizarre editing choices and directing right. choices in the series. But I also think that I have a lower bar in terms of how much that bothers me in context of enjoying a scene. And I think it bothers you a lot more if the scene is not technically put together. Yeah. Uh, like I notice it and don't care as much if I think that the underlying thing is good I think that you care more about like the holistic pulling together of the storytelling and the editing oh no definitely that's true I think like that's probably why I bought that it was like I bought that like it was a conference I I bought the shorthand of like this is a conference like it's like the UN or something in, and vague in all of the most convenient ways. And I just, it, it felt like lazy. It, it felt lazy. It feels, it's like a little lazy, but like it needed, to, it just needed to be the thing that it like, it like, it was the thing that it needed to be. And it like. Yeah, because it was, it was lazy. They're like, there's no other way that he can meet up with a spy who might know something. So let's have a conference. I mean, yeah, it's not, that's not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, yeah, but it's like. It's just not as grounded. I mean, like, I think it would, I would have. But it was much better directed. It was much better directed and and paced. And I think it would have bothered me more that it was so, like... Milk toast? Milk toast if, like, he had been right. If, like... If if, it had gone well for him. If it had gone well for him and been like, oh, well, this is, like... Like, like, contrivance is always... 
Like irritating. Irritating, but it's always more irritating when it helps your protagonist than when it hurts your protagonist. But it does help him because he found the file he needs. He just, his getaway wasn't as clean. Yeah. So it did help him. He he went into a random room, went through some files. I never got the impression that it was a random room. So then how does he know what room it is? Like That the files are in. That there's just files there. Um, like, I'm assuming it was, it seemed like it was like just a sort of file on people who were at that conference. And so, I like, know what room that's in, and how convenient that they're just laying out, and they let him paw through it for like a that while. That is true. Like, I'm just saying, this was a lazy cold open, and even though all the elements were there for it to be good, good directing, good pacing, yeah. exciting climax, him fucking up, which is objectively funny and yeah. interesting, especially this early in the show to let him fuck up this bad, but like. All of the details that get us to those good elements make no goddamn sense, and I, that is a hill I will die on. I'll give you that. Thank you. Th- let Just leave me here to die. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so end of cold open. So then the we start a new scene, and this is why I mentioned this in the last episode. We reveal Fiona is already back at Michael's place, and we reveal her via her feet. This is the second time in two episodes that Fiona is revealed to be in his apartment without him asking her to be in his apartment by a close-up of her from behind laying on his bed and then her feet separate uh, and then we get a shot over her butt to her looking around saying, oh, hi, Michael. So two transitions of Fiona appearing being shot from the feet and then the face. What is this choice? I think they think it's flirty, but it's just bizarre. And two different directors did this. Exactly. So I think it's Matt. It's gotta be Matt. It's gotta be Matt. Um, uh, yeah. I, it's just no, like, I, it's a very specific way to reveal a character, and they do it twice in two episodes. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Because no, yeah, y'all is. nasty. Yeah. And so the, the two things that we learn that will carry us through the rest of this episode here is that A, she has broken into his apartment again because mm-hmm. he won't give her a key, and she wants a key. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that she can get into his apartment whenever she wants, yeah. apparently. What does it matter that she has a key or not? It's the symbol of it, I guess. Yeah, it is and then we also establish... Girlfriends get a key. Exactly. But she's not his girlfriend because uh, violence may be uh, foreplay for you, but it's not for me. Exactly. Which we learn in the pilot. Uh, but the other thing that we establish here, which is sort of related to it, is that the reason that she ran away is because she had that stolen car. And she was like, I can't do a police chase in this stolen vehicle. It's too much. Yeah. So I had to leave. And she's like, you need to get a car. And he's like, oh, my assets are frozen. Even though that literally never comes up unless it has to come up. It really does. Like, they always... But they again, have infinite I don't, money, I, except for when they can't have infinite money. Exactly. I don't... That's the thing I don't mind. Like, I don't mind that either. It's just funny to me that, like, it's very convenient sometimes and exactly, not convenient the thing other is that, like, times. Yeah, it is... Again, it's the thing about contrivances. Like, I'd rather, like... It kind of reminds me of, like, the sonic screwdriver on Doctor Who, where, like... But that's a show about being wacky and, Well, no, like, but I mean, like, it's, rules like... Rules don't make sense. Well, no, but, like, the thing about the sonic screwdriver on Doctor Who is that, like, it... It's a plot contrivance that allows writers to not waste time on things that aren't particularly interesting. Like, picking a lock is never interesting, usually. Like, and so, like... Being able to get into doors is fair. Exactly. However, I will say, in terms of a a show where the stakes are supposed to be that he's been burned and his assets are frozen... I mean, this is very The stakes are not not there. But, like, my favorite example of, like, doing this really well, and I think one of the only examples, is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Because in season one or two, like, she's been been brazenly spending money since she got to West Covina. And then in, like, one one season, she, like, buys a car and it, like, completely fucking bankrupts her. And she has to, like, sell the car, sell her condo, sell a bunch of stuff. And it, like, becomes actually, like, relevant. That she's been brazenly spending money. This is very true. And so for a show where, like, one of the first big things that Michael learns after being burned is that his assets are frozen so he can't get a nicer hotel, that's important. 
Yeah, I would give you that. That's definitely true. But like, but, but it's, it, that's also not the kind of show that this is. It's definitely not the kind of show. So, but like, but but the reason that I bring it up is because the other thing we learn in the scene, besides the fact that Fiona wants a key because girlfriends get the key, yeah. is that she wants Michael to get a car, and it turns out she's called his mom again because They're Fiona so just chatty. Fiona's just like constantly live tweeting to his mom, I guess. Yes. And apparently, Michael does have a car. It's his father's old Charger, and Michael yeah. gets real weird because his daddy, daddy issues. issues. That's the, that should be the name of this episode. And so, yeah, it really should be. Uh, instead, it's fight or flight. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I do think that this what this episode does, aside from being more competently directed than any yeah. other episode so far, is that it has a very clear plot structure, which I and do I, appreciate. Yeah, and we'll talk about this more at the end, like, evaluating the episode and as we go. But I do really appreciate... Like, like all of the plots are not only distinct in their own right, which they always usually are, but they yeah. also feed together. Really yeah, lovely. and like there is a very clear sort of thematic idea that is going on throughout all of that, and there that is very competent. Yeah. I mean, well, it's competent and it's contra- less competent in its execution. But yeah, like, exactly. But, yeah, we'll but you know, it's burning us. Yes. We got to give it some credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically, the plots as we know them are: Michael wants to get in touch with this guy he found from the file room uh-huh. because he might know something about him getting yeah. burned. Michael needs a car, but doesn't want his dad's car, which is the one he has access to. Uh-huh. And Fiona wants a key. Yes. So that's what we've already established, and it's only been like five minutes. Exactly. So yeah. that was really well done. This is a very well paced episode. Yes. Whether it's a good episode is remains, remains to be, to be seen. seen. Uh, so anyways, so uh, Michael complains that Fiona left him behind, blah, 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 daddy issues. Michael leaves and we finally meet Oleg, which is a great name. Yeah. Oleg is Michael's I mean, landlord. We, we've met Oleg before. Have we? He was in the pilot. Uh, one of his best bartenders, Kara, can't come into work, hasn't come into work for a week because she's afraid to leave her house. And Michael who, uh, is weirdly hesitant to take a job despite having no money. And if he were to take this job, he would get free rent for two months. Michael haggles for four. Da. Oleg agrees. The case is afoot. So it turns out that the reason that Kara is afraid to leave her house, uh, which we learn because Michael is given coffee that he's like, like grossed out by because it's reused grounds, we learn, because she can't go buy more grounds, which is a pretty good detail, but a weird execution because that's like kind of rude. Yeah. Like, thanks for the free drink. Ugh, gross. Yeah, Yeah, don't give him the just don't give him coffee did he ask for coffee yeah was he like i don't talk to me until i've had my coffee <laughs> honestly i can buy that regardless uh so Kara can't leave her house because she was a witness to a gold lexus driver parentheses yuck uh beating the shit out of a pizza delivery kid who rear-ended him and called the cops so Kara called the cops on a Lexus guy who beat up a kid. Yeah, exactly. The delivery kid is on life support, so she is the only witness to this crime. The police can't protect her because there was a rat nailed to her door, and it's a whole thing. Police cannot help you if a rat is nailed to your door. It's like yeah, uh, and that it's is like the biblical plagues. Exactly. So th- therefore, Michael Weston is the only one who can help her. Exactly, because um, he is not the police. We also learn he that used to be a spy. He used to be a spy. So we also learn in this scene where we're getting the setup for the case of the week that she has a teenage daughter, Sophie. This will be important later. Yeah, Sophie is unremarkable in this first scene, though. No, yeah. I mean, there are hints of what's to come. Yeah, she's a, she's a little bit of a brat, but, you know, she's a teenager, so we yeah. let it go. Exactly. For now. For now. Uh, in the next scene, we learn that Michael can cook. Persian food, no yeah. less. He cooks Fiona a meal, and they sit outside on his shitty stairs for some reason, yeah. which has just struck me as a weird place to eat food from plates, even though he has, like, a counter with chairs on yeah. it. Uh, I yeah. guess they just wanted People an outdoor like, scene. I mean, they did. Yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. But people like eating outside for some reason. But on the ground? They're just sitting they're, on the stairs. They like being outside and eating food. I hear you say, I don't get it. 
can I say personally, and this is just my pre- preference and my beliefs, but like sitting outside and eating your food on a patio and like a table or whatever, like feels to me no different from sitting outside and eat, holding a plate on your grimy stairs and eating food. They're both gross to me. They are both equally gross and I don't get why people enjoy it. Yeah, in general, I agree because I don't like being outdoors. No, but... and I don't want to, like, I certainly don't want to like be eating food outdoors because that's when I'm at my most vulnerable. <laughs> I'm like putting food in my mouth. So many bugs could land on the food and then go in my mouth. I'm opening my mouth and like anything could get in there. Yeah, it could. Anyway, so they're outdoors eating Persian food that Michael cooked. Yeah. And this is important, I guess. And the reason that he is cooked is because it turns out he needs help from Fiona, which is he needs Fiona to go back into the international conference of no description that he fucked up in so that she can get more information. Uh, and he needs to talk to a guy whose life he saved, I guess. So the guy from the file is apparently someone whose life Michael saved. Yeah. Convenient. Uh, Fiona haggles and Michael's a, Michael agrees to ask his mom for the car if Fiona will go do this thing for her. Which I love, what I love about that is that that doesn't really help her. No. Well, it's, it does because she doesn't have to boost so many cars and she has convenient access to a car that they I mean, will like, always have. I mean, yeah. It makes sense if it's her car too. I mean, like, anything that's Michael's is hers. I mean, yeah, but it was kind of like... It was so weird because also like... I I also like to think that she's sort of a spy on his mom's behalf and she has basically decided like anything his mom wants, she also wants because it'll piss him off. Exactly. also like keep girl power out going. I mean like, yeah, that's like what it is. Yeah. But it's just so funny to me that it's not like, she doesn't want anything. Well, she wants a key. She wants a key. Which is a very consistent... She doesn't want anything outside of him at all. Yeah, Like literally like... like, Yeah, she has no independent needs. (laughs) Like, yeah, like the idea... So he's like... What, like, what can I do to, like, convince her to help me? Oh, yeah, I'll get a car for me. And she'll yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Because it'll also make my mom happy. Like, it's so... Well, she, like, fair enough, she does pitch that. So it's not that he comes up with this as a bargain. Well, no, like, I mean, she pitches the idea of, like... Earlier, she's, like, saying, you need to get a car. Like... Your mom you, says you your have mom a car. Your mom says a car. And, like, that's not... They talk about that earlier. But then, like, he's, like... Then he's saying, hey, so you know the you know the sort of thing that like we do for money? I'll give you that I'll 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 get the car for that. Like, no, this is like labor. Yeah, anyway. You should be compensated for your labor, Fiona. It's a very strange back and forth. The compensation she wants is the D in burn notice. <laughs> Anyways. Um so enter mom's house. So it's now we go to mom. Uh, he asks for the car. Well, he doesn't exactly ask for it. He has his back to her and says, listen, I need the car, which is a very rude way of asking for something, especially asking your mother for something. Yeah. Like, you don't just walk into your parents' house, turn your back to them and say, I need the I car. Mean, they, I mean, they talk a bit. They don't, it's not like he just walks in. Right. But they have, like, a little bit of small talk. He has his back to her as he's asking for a favor yeah. and doesn't say, hey... Do you still have dad's car? Or like it's something. Like, yeah, listen, it's very car. rude. This is Michael Weston, like to a T, is that he doesn't have normal conversations with people. He doesn't. But like she's she, either very rude or very empathetic. There but, is no in between. Of course, she immediately reacts like delighted. Ecstatic, delighted. Oh, she's so. And happy. so, like, I mean, I kind of get like he assumes this reaction, but so it's I still a rude to, way to start it. I mean, well, he doesn't respect his mother. That's starting. No, from no he there. does not. So starting from there. He expects her to react in the way that she does, so he's trying to, like, mitigate that. He's trying to be like, if I'm rude about it, then maybe she'll be annoyed or whatever, and she won't be like, oh, the car! 
Well, uh, too bad, Michael Weston, because that's exactly what she does. And she says specifically that his father always wanted him to have something to remember him by. And then Michael gestures vaguely to his face and says, I've got plenty of memories. Apparently, like, he, like, he, I guess he has some sort of facial deformity. Like, scar or something. I don't know. I don't know what it would be because he the face of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Donovan is perfect. Exactly. But we are to uh, once again interpret that his yeah. father was abusive and he's mad. Yeah. So glad that we nailed that home. Uh, then we have a funky music reveal of the car, which I really enjoyed. I, we're three episodes in and I haven't talked about how much I hate the music of Burn Notice. <laughs> All of the music of Burn Notice is so bad. It's so aggressively mediocre it's so like funky music reveal of a car is great yeah and i will die on that hill too but it's like real bad really tinny like someone like like just like records it into a tin can oh yeah but like really like gouging themselves on free stock music just like you know they had to put all of their money into awesome chase reveals exactly like they don't have money left over for music jeez chris it really seems like, watching this season at least, that they don't have money. Yeah, it really doesn't. But honestly, that's kind of charming. And I've always liked shows that have, like, obviously lower budgets than their yeah. compatriots. Uh, yeah, it makes... Like, a lot of sci-fi shows are like that. Exactly. I think it's adorable. Yeah, no, it does help. It does, like... like... It sells the earnestness in a yeah. way that nothing else could. True. Uh, anyway, so we get extra VO about his dad being abusive because we can't stop beating this dead horse because yeah. what if we didn't learn yet after three episodes of Michael saying my dad's abusive that his dad's abusive yeah what if we missed it to be fair though like it is explicitly the theme of this episode in the way that it hasn't been before like, that's fair like this like but episode, like he just had the conversation with his mom it felt like overkill no 100% it feels like overkill like they're not good at executing this but mm-hmm. like like but this is the enough, episode yeah. that is about his dad like and everything and everything is about that like, yeah, and that's so, fair. Yeah. But it turns out that he can't just get this car because it's missing some spark plugs, so he can't even drive it yet. Yeah. Bummer. That will also come back. In exactly. a way that I think is very well done. No, yeah, I do. I, Again, I do. like, plotting-wise, this episode is great. Exactly. Just, yeah, the execution of it is absolute garbage. Yeah, 100. I'll, I'm with you there. He, so he gets drinks with Sam, who asks to get in on this because he wants to do a cocktail waitress case, and Michael says, next time I'll let you know, but in the meantime, I need your help with another thing. Yeah. And I don't remember what that thing was. It was unremarkable. Yeah. Then we have a 20-second long scene where Fiona is standing guard over uh, waitress and annoying teenage daughter uh, to explain that the impossibly tiny age gap is due to Kara getting accidentally knocked up at 19 during chef school. This doesn't matter. I feel like (laughs) there's a... Okay, here's, I think, where part of the editing fucked up. Okay. Is that I think it was supposed to come off like this, what's happening here and what's immediately happening after with Michael are supposed to feel like they're being intercut. But it doesn't feel that way because we spent a weird amount of time in this first little section, 20 seconds or whatever, and then went into something that felt like a full scene mm-hmm. and it felt like that scene was over. But what we were supposed to be, we were supposed to be realizing was that this scene was still happening because like when we eventually cut back to this to like, the three girls, the three out. girls, they're in the same place. So I think the assumption mm. is that 
we're supposed to feel like this is intercut, but it's badly intercut. Yeah, because the because the the scenes are really uneven. Exactly, just because and like the first scene is like because like again, it feels like it doesn't feel like a scene because it's supposed to just feel like I think it's supposed to be in the script like part of a scene, like the yeah. beginning of a. Scene. It's just like establishing Fiona is there watching over them. Exactly, well, and this is why their age gap is so small. <laughs> exactly, and they're watching this cooking show, and like they're all just staring at it, like on the edge of their seat, looking at this like really sub like food network cooking show that is just not at all interesting and but like the the intensity with which they watch it is just fascinating to me i did not remark on that at all all i saw was this is a very short scene to establish like one thing and then they move on which is very efficient but also very bizarrely put into the episode uh so then we cut over to michael who finds the guy from the gold lexus who is threatening kara and threatens him back because he hopes that he can just knock this out really quickly like hey man fuck you and the guy will back off uh there's a there is like a there seems to be an ongoing theme uh at at least in this first half of Michael assuming he can just bluff his way and bluster and like that's going to work and it doesn't work. That's true. That is a through line of this episode too because also he doesn't have an alias. He's just Michael Weston yeah. who's just too old for this shit. He's like, hey, don't don't yell at the waitress. And he's like, but what if I do? Yeah. So then they have a small fight and the guy says that he is already got a plan in motion to kill the waitress. And Which Michael's I don't like, know why he tells him that. Because he's a bad guy and he has to reveal his, well, it's too late for you sort of a thing. And so Michael's like, shit, he punches some dudes and he runs and he like calls Fee. Like, Fee, some people are coming. And Fee's like, hold on, my show is on. (laughs) It's the cooking show of the year. They're about to pull it out of the oven. (laughs) They had one prepared. Exactly. So then we cut back to Fee in the other scene, which I think you're right, is the way that they wanted it to be is happening simultaneously, but they cut it weird. So it didn't work out that way. Uh, so Fiona helps the woman escape via homemade Molotov cocktails. That's fun. Yes, it is extremely fun. She's like, where's your liquor cabinet? And I'm like, yes, bitch, Molotovs. So we already have a completed Criterion 4. Great use of Fiona. Fiona it explodes some shit, and it's great. Yeah. Because uh, also Sam remarked earlier in his scene that he's like, why is Fiona the one, like, you know, playing bodyguard? She's like, what, 80 pounds? But it doesn't matter because Fiona is amazing and exactly. can make uh, Molotov cocktails. And she does. I will say, though, like, these assassins... Are extremely bad. They, like, drive by, she throws one Molotov at them, she and they're like... She throws, like, two. They're like... And they're like, oh, no. And they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And, <laughs> and then, then they, they just drive leave. away, yeah. Like, oh. It's very bizarre. But she does a great job. And then they determine, all right, well, we got to get these girls somewhere safe. So, of course, they end up at his mom's house. Right. And this is something that, because I'm also rewatching Psych at the same time as I'm rewatching Burn Notice, and Psych is objectively a better show, yeah. uh, there's a very, like, distinct commonality that I didn't put together before, which is the sort of, the, the plot line of estranged ch- adult child and single parent and, like, hiding people and shit at the estranged parent's house yeah. as a way in which to get to know them better and become less estranged. Yeah. And, like... It didn't occur to me until this episode where I'm like, oh, right. They just, like, stow people at Madeline's house constantly. And that's yeah. exactly what they do in Psych. It's just such a specific, like, character trait yeah. that, struck that like, stuck out to me as, like, wow, that's the same plot. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so, um... <laughs> But, oh, but, and I also noted in my notes that in Psych, it seems a lot more motivated because Henry isn't just one note, like, shitty. Yeah. Like, Sean and Henry's relationship, like, makes sense. And, yeah. like, why Henry is withholding and why Sean is withholding is, makes a lot of sense. But they both, like, deeply care about each other. But, like, poor Sharon Glass, her character does not 
care apparently at all and she's just very erratic and like rude and guilt like she just feels like a caricature of a bad mom who loves her son so much but is also kind of a bad mom yeah it's just yeah she stayed with the abusive father she's like she she's she's constantly like saying like oh the abusive father wasn't so bad like there's no problem here why don't you call more like she's just she's just a cartoon character of a bad mom yeah so like i care less about michael like repairing that relationship but also like and also just like michael's also a nothing character yeah so like yeah i don't care about any of this yeah (laughs) fair enough so anyway so they stash the mom and the daughter in the garage not in the guest room so that michael can quote control access points the mom complains that he isn't being trans oh his mom uh michael's mom complains that michael isn't being transparent enough there are two moms in this episode it's so about parenting it's about it's true um yeah, so Sharon Gless complains that Michael isn't being transparent enough, and he gives no further details than what I assume he told her off screen, which is they need our help. And then she's yeah. like, oh, okay, that's enough details for me. Yeah. So that just felt like a weird conversation where she's like, Michael, you have to tell me what's going on. It's like, if I bring over a single mom and her teenage daughter, and I'm like, I have to fortify the garage, that feels like enough information. Exactly, yeah. Especially when the more information he gives her is literally, they're in trouble and they need my help. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. No what, shit. Why? Yeah, why did you think he was doing that? Why this scene? It's it's madness. Um, she also, oh, she says that she'll allow them to stay if he'll go visit his dad's grave. And he's like, I'll think about it. Yeah. Uh, so more daddy stuff. Exactly. And also a lot of like weird bargaining with other people's lives mm-hmm. to like, to do weird. Yeah, to, to move forward their emotional plot. Exactly. <laughs> like, fuck their safety. You need to go visit your dad's grave, a thing I can't verify with you. Whatever. Uh, so we, we, we go talk to the mom and daughter. The daughter is not impressed with her new safe house, despite literally an hour ago escaping assassins via homemade Molotovs. She's completely unfazed by the assassination attempt. And- did she not see... Because there's like... There's this weird thing going on with this child where she doesn't seem to understand that she is in danger. And I, it doesn't make any sense because we have watched her like trapped in the house with her mom because her mom is terrified. So like already the only parent she's ever known is terrified. And she's yeah. like, mom, you're being dramatic. What? Second, they have to escape the house that they've been trapped in because via Molotov cocktails. But I mean, like, did this is a legitimate question that I'm trying to remember. Did the daughter see this? Or she is, had to escape. Like, they didn't just, like, throw Molotovs and leave. Like, they had to, like, you know, stay out of the way of the windows. Feel no, no, the Molotov. No, I understand that. But did she ever see bad guys? Or is it possible she, that she thinks that this is all an elaborate ploy and people are overreacting to nothing because she never saw a bad guy? I feel like that doesn't make sense given that no, she... No, it doesn't. She saw the Molotovs. Did they think that... I know, but, she like... She just casually makes Molotovs in her spare She time. might be... I mean, like... Feed feed does. Right, but we know that. How would this random teenage girl know that? I mean, like, but it also could be that, like... She knows what her mom saw. Her mom definitely told her the situation. But, like, yeah, everything, like, but I could see. I'm, like... You're being very charitable. I mean, very... This this episode does not deserve it. Devil's advocate. (laughs) Fuck you. Uh, But I'm just, like, trying to, like... Because this is the thing that I was thinking about later. Because the only way this episode makes sense... At all. The only way this... She doesn't physically make eye contact well, with no, a man if, in a car. If, she if, thinks she's safe. If, like, the idea is that... Because there's a moment later when she sees some other bad guys, and then she suddenly believes. And the only way that makes sense is that, that she never saw any bad guys up to this point, 
and thought that just every adult around her was crazy, which, to be fair, is a thing that you think when you're a teenager. Yeah, but also, I think that in terms of, like, you know, oh, no, I definitely want to date this boy. He's, like, perfect for me. Versus, like, someone had to throw Molotov cocktails for us to escape our home. But it's also, like, a thing of, like... These people seem to be crazy and doing a lot. They seem these people seem to be the kind of people that like to throw Molotov cocktails. Like, and my mom seems like someone who likes to lie about being in mortal danger. There was a rat nailed to her door. I know, but I think it's also a thing of like this girl. The only way that this makes sense is the girl thinks her mom is not only overreacting but actively lying to her, and that these I people mean, who are doing a lot of work to keep them very safe in a very specific way are crazy, and that feels like too high. I mean. It the suspension of disbelief oh, no. is too high. This I will, I will belief's say, been hung. That's no, how high the I, suspension of disbelief is. I agree. Is. It doesn't work. But, like, I'm trying to figure out if what the intention was here. If, like, that was... if that The was intention is were... just uh, teenage girls are annoying. Like, they didn't think about it past that. Like, I And mean, that's it's... so transparent in every scene. Because the next thing that happens is she's like, but I want to go to prom. And it's like... Are you kidding me? The most cliche I mean, yes. thing a teenage girl could want that would she would actively put herself in danger for? I mean, yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Um, like, I, 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 I respect where you're coming from. Yeah. The show, this episode does not deserve it. Oh, it's, no, no. They're just like, teenage girl, dumb, end of thought. End of thought, yeah. And it's so frustrating because that's it like is. the, this teenage girl is the reason that the episode is ruined. Oh, 100%. Because none of her motivations make Nothing. any lick of sense. It makes, yeah, none of it makes sense. Because it's like a well-constructed episode. Some things needed more thought than others, but, but like this teenage girl being the linchpin of why everything goes wrong, Yeah, her motivations don't make any, any sense. Any sense. And it's just, it's, yeah. And it's just frustrating, and I don't want to hate this girl, but she is such a bizarrely, like, obstinate character. Exactly. Despite, like, having no motivation to the contrary. Like, it's like, yeah. there is no reason at this point that we have seen her see. She should be terrified. Yes. She is a child. Like, it's one thing to think, like, it's probably not that bad, but at the point at which you have to escape your home with Molotov cocktails, exactly. and your mom has told you that there was a rat nailed to the, like, front no, door. No, no, she should be more terrified. Like... She yeah. more like because like she doesn't understand what's going on, so she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, I don't get this!" Like the idea of her like not buying, like just, yeah. I don't. No, it doesn't it make any doesn't sense. Doesn't make any. Sense. And it's so frustrating because this could have been a really good episode. Yeah, because it's a really competent episode. It is, but it's a really bad one, and that's such a shame. <laughs> yeah, and like I get what they're going for. Like the whole point of it is that like. Michael has to be a dad to this kid. You're right, and, right, like, and like there's a lot of like the. Parent and child relationships are complicated. Yeah. But they just did it in the worst possible exactly. way. All of it, like... I'm just, very mad. The execution of it is bad. And when well, she literally says, and I wrote this down word for word, I'd rather be killed than live here in this garage that he's made safe for her. Yeah. Which, like, teenage girls are terrible, which I will grant you, but most don't have a literal death wish. And then Michael's response to this is just, well, those are your two options. <laughs> and it's like, wow, Michael. That your bedside manner is fucking garbage. Exactly, except when it's not. Exactly, it's yeah. so inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, and then this is where the daughter complains she'll miss her spring dance. Foreshadowing. I, I wonder what will come from that detail. Like it, it could have been a thing where like she's being pressured by outside forces to like go, and she's yeah. like she like succumbs to peer pressure, and it's like, well, if I like I feel safe enough, I think I can take this yeah. risk because like that's a teenage like thing that happens a lot that yeah. I totally buy that like they recognize that there is danger, but think that because all this other stuff is in place, yeah. that they're safe. That exactly, this, this is a reasonable risk to take. Exactly, yeah, and like not understanding the like act like risks. 
despite yes. recognizing that risks exist. That's very teenage to yes. me. But like actively like defying that risks exist at all. It's almost as if no one involved in the making of this episode was ever a teenage girl. Or was ever a teenager. <laughs> like the gender of the girl does, like, re- is unrelated to the fact that this character as a, an, an entity yeah. does not make sense. We have to move on. I'm too mad. Uh, so then we have another meeting with Sam. Uh, we learn that the bad guy, uh, the the gold Lexus driver, is a drug cartel distributor with some firepower, which is another just very vague and general description. This entire episode is just, it feels like all of these things are placeholders yeah. that they forgot to go back to specify. Yeah, about. this was like an early draft that no one, like, a really struck, like, they were, like, getting the plot draft and all, like... Like, uh, he's a drug distributor, probably has some firepower. Exactly. And then no one ever filled in the details. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so bizarre. It doesn't have to be like no, this, Matt Nix. I know you have it in you to make really distinct, specific problems. <sighs> we also learn that there's a lawyer named Gelman in the mix protecting him. Mm-hmm. This is important because we're like, okay, he's a drug I mean, dealer and has a lawyer. Im- nothing is important. Yeah, well, but, it's important yeah. to the plot contrivances. Yeah. Uh, so then now that we know that Gelman's in the mix, Michael goes to meet him, uh, learns that he has a very specific like commuter route, and then um, busts his tires to threaten him a little. The lawyer, like the teenage daughter, is largely unfazed <laughs> by everything Michael is doing. Yeah. Um, but, well, he's, like, but he's unfazed for actual reasons, which is, I'm too powerful for you, silly man. And also, like, I work with, like, drug cartels. Like, this shit happens to me. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then we meet up with Fee to get eyes on Achim, the Egyptian spy who he found from the file. So yeah. that's this is the spy that he saved the life of. Exactly. Uh, and he, and Fee is, like, doing some random, like, reconnaissance. Uh, Michael needs to know from this reconnaissance when the best time to get next to him is so he can learn who ordered the burn notice. Ooh, like the show. Um, but that's it. We just have like a very short scene where he's like, Hey Fee, thanks for following this guy. Tell me when he's free. <laughs> yeah. Follow him some more. Keep following him. Exactly. Good job. Keep doing that. Uh, she probably rings up the key again. Yeah. I, I can't be sure, but I'm sure that I think she does. Yeah. I mean, that, that's her thing this episode. Yeah. Uh, back to the case of the week. Michael casually whistles his way through foiling a bombing from another bad guy. The lawyer isn't interested in making a deal with him, uh, because he, because the whole cartel is behind him. Uh, what about my friend? That's my senior year. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hang on. So the lawyer, the lawyer that he threatened, does not take him seriously and sent a guy to kill him. But yeah. Michael Weston is too smart and beats him up and says uh, that that's not okay. And then yeah. the guy's like, "Well, I don't know why you're bothering to like fight us because the mom and daughter are definitely gonna get killed." Yeah. So this is the second time that someone's like, "We're going to kill them," and Michael's like, "What?" Uh, so then we go back to the mother and daughter and the mother and daughter, uh, and then he tells them like, you guys have to leave Miami. This is, this, this is much bigger than I expected it to be. And no one is backing down despite yeah. my very low effort. Hey guys, back off. Talks exactly. with them. And the daughter, the daughter says, what about my friends? It's my senior year. Uh, I wrote, I don't believe a human alive is this dumb, but like, Fair enough. Michael is not doing a good job in this no, scene. He's, no, he's His not. bedside manner is terrible. It's not useful or supportive. He's just like, you have to leave. But what about, you have to leave. But what about, you have to leave. He doesn't give any new information. No. He doesn't explain, like, listen, you can probably come back eventually, but right now, yeah. there is no safe haven here. Exactly. You either sit in this garage forever, which is not sustainable, yeah. or you die, or you get out of town for a little while. Yeah. Like, that feels like a reasonable thing to say. Because, like, generally, when convincing someone you don't just repeat the thing you want them to do over and over again yeah. you give them new reasons to be convinced what kind of fucking spy is he i don't know 
Like, he's... It's so weird. It's weird, like, again... Men write. Listen. Women listen. Like, that's what he assumes this conversation's gonna go like. Exactly. And fair enough, they're not. Despite the fact... Like, the teenage girl's reasoning is stupid. Yeah. But I also don't blame her for being like, you're not giving me anything. No, You're just yeah. saying I need to leave. Exactly. Um, and... It's just... It was entirely unconvincing. It was very unconvincing. And very, like, disheartening from a person who I have come to expect more from. Exactly. But it's so weird, because, like, he needs... He wants to get them out. And I remember at the time thinking about this, and I don't know how much, like, if they... It was right to, like, mention it at any point at all. At any point at all. But, like, like he is, at this point, assumed to, like... That he is going to have to get these people out of town. They can never come back again. Which... Is actually the opposite of what needs to happen if he wants his free rent. Right. And, and that, that's, that's something that I forgot to write down, but yet also struck me. Like, the whole reason he took this case is because he wants free rent. Yeah. And the whole reason he's going to get free rent is if this best waitress can come back to the exactly. bar. But if he gets her out of town forever, I mean, I, I guess I bought it in the sense of like, well, well this, is, this is legit danger. We need to get them out. Like, obviously, yeah. It sucks and that like, they come to this, but yeah, exactly. I've and done that zero prep work, so I guess this is how it's going to end. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, like... But yeah, he never mentions it. He's he never, never like, shit, I'm not going to get the rent now. Exactly. And I mean, I don't know if we needed that, mm-hmm. if that was a beat that needed to happen. But it did kind of get dropped out. But it got, yeah, it kind of got dropped out. Like, it, like, the reason that, like, and if there just needed to be a line where, like, like, because that is the thing of, like, if he, like, sends them out, then he doesn't get a free... So, at this point, he is doing everything pro bono as far as he's concerned. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's, like, a nice thing. But we need to probably remark on it. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I... But I'm just... I'm not sure the right way... The mm-hmm. right no, way to I, do that. But, I'm like, yeah. You. Yeah, but it is a thing that is weird yeah. and goes unremarked upon. Uh, so, in... Preparation for getting them out of town. Michael sends Fiona to their back to their house, not to grab their things, even though that would have been super easy to do. Because he's like, no, you can't get your things. You can't get your clothes. You can't get anything. Despite the fact that we're going to your house right after this. He doesn't even ask, like, can we pick up a couple of things for you? We'll pack a bag. It would make sense within the scene that they're setting up to go get a bag for them and also plant the seeds of, like, they're going somewhere else than they actually are. But he does not offer this at all. He's like, no, we're just going to go to your house for a different, totally separate reason and not pick up any of your stuff. Feels unnecessary but moving on so like his little thing his little spy tip here is that you have to throw people off the scent if you're escaping but also you need to make them work for the scent otherwise if it's too easy they'll be like oh this is obviously a ruse but the thing she does is obviously a ruse she, she goes to the computer she finds a ticket she buys a ticket to Salt Lake City, or not to Salt Lake City. Yes, yeah, Salt, Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah, she buys a ticket to Salt Lake City, uh, finds a uh, weather report for Salt Lake City, and then prints it out, crumples up, and puts it in the trash. No, and that's all no, she does. No, one. that's not what happens. What happens? She does not even crumple it up. Oh, she, she has to crumble it up because she can't put a flat piece of paper in the garbage. I 100% she puts a flat piece of paper in the garbage. Okay, well. That, I watched this today. Fair enough. But what I'm, my point being is if his whole tip is you have to make him work for it. Exactly. Walking into a house, they see her walk into the house. So we know he knows they see her walking into the house. Yeah. She prints out a thing, puts it like on top of the trash can, and then leaves. She doesn't take any of their stuff, yeah. which would have further sold the ruse. Exactly. She doesn't have, like, multiple tickets that they have to sort through, but yeah. one happened to have the weather yeah. report on it, exactly. so that's the real one. Like, nothing like that. No. It doesn't make any sense. And the whole time, it, it's basically just the, the reason that the scene exists is for her to, like, hold her own safety over Michael's unwillingness yeah. to give her a key. 
It's so like weird. It's so weird because like yeah, he, yeah. She's she, tried. She, she's just like, I'm not gonna leave until you give me a key. And he's like, Fee, the, the the bad guys are coming in. You have to get out of there. And she's like, Can I get a key? And it's like this feels like uh well. If I, mean, I had to if I had to sum up, okay. So alternate titles for this episode. Sure. Um, one daddy of them, daddy issues. issues. Mm-hmm. Another one, bitches be crazy. <laughs> For real, though. Yeah. yeah like, pe- that's people the... keep, like, holding, a, like, either their or someone near them's safety hostage in order to get, like, some small emotional payoffs. Exactly. It's very strange. Again, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't. So many things could have been done to make this episode more, co- more coherent. Or no, it's coherent. It's just all of the details are so, like, bone-numbingly lazy that it's just, like, who did anything on this episode? You know, I do wonder, though, um, like... They make a point of saying that, like, in order to, like, get someone to believe that the information is real, they have to, like, set up a fake scenario so it feels like they had to work for it. I'm starting to wonder about this international conference. (laughs) It sure seems fake and easy. Yeah, for real, though. Like, this, it's so stupid. Uh, Then Michael has another short meeting with the mom and daughter. The daughter is mad that they're leaving and storms out. And Michael, like me, can't understand why she's being this way. So it's just another, like, hey, remember this girl sucks. Yeah. Uh, Then we have uh, Michael uh, finally gets word that that the Egyptian spy is free, uh, has some space in his schedule. So he goes and he crashes his meeting with someone else. um, And he's like, hey, I saved your life. Give me information. And the guy's like, you saved my life. I'll give you information. It's very easy and very dumb. Um, but then Michael gets a call mid like conversation, uh, with this spy where he learns, oh no, the daughter ran off to her dance because of course she did. No one listens to women when they talk. Um, so Michael's like, shit, I have to go rescue the girl. So Michael says shit and goes and rescues the girl. So Michael goes to the dance and she's like, why are you being here? And she calls him a drama queen, which is very funny. I want more people to call Michael Weston a drama queen. It's an extremely good moment. He like drags her off, despite the fact that he's just like this random adult man who accosts a young girl at her dance, at her school. Okay, but here's the thing though. And again, this is so bonkers to me. Like, in terms of like, like, here's the turn of events. Or like the, the timeline of events, right? She's at prom. Uh, spring fling. Spring fling. I don't think it was. Spring it's spring fling. fling. Okay. She specifically says my. It's either the spring dance or I spring fling. I don't. No one says fling. I don't remember the word fling. Um. She's there. It's spring fling. Mm-hmm. And then like he shows up and says, "We gotta go. This is dangerous." And she's like, "What are you talking about? It's fine." And then two men run up. The most gen- two. Well, really- no, no, no. The, the the actual timeline because I I made a note of this because the cutting is very funny. Is that he like drags her off? She's like, "Why are you being such a drama queen?" He gets her inside the building and then like goes to brace the door when two men slam into the window. Yeah. She goes, "Ah, they're here." Yeah. It's like a very like like slapstick moment, it which really I is. really appreciate. But it's like. Where did these men, like, uh, this, what I'm trying to figure out is, like, again, the men don't show up until, like, two seconds after he shows up. Mm-hmm. And so, like, where were they? Like, like. They're, they were running. They were Still running. Going. How did they know that he she was there? Because here's the thing. Like, she's been there for a bit. Well, she's outside. So, presumably, they're, like, waiting to get into the dance. That's kind of what I read based on them being just outside when it's the so much When it's so much harder to get her? Like, I'm just saying that, like, she might have just gotten there. Like, it might not have been. Oh, okay. I don't think she's been there that long. Okay. Because she's literally outdoors waiting with her friends to get in. I mean, that's possible. Like, that's possible. But, like, 
So but did, yeah, did no, Michael, the timing is insane. Did Michael and the like bad guys show up at the same time? Like, yeah, did they both like? I think so. I think they were but, both like, very punctual. Because like my thing is that like the only way that makes sense is that these bad guys were staking out the dance and didn't know which one she was until Michael grabbed her. That's possible, but surely they should know who she is. Like the idea of like they she's, like what she's if Michael kind of a never... regular brunette just like exactly. the ones from the last episode. No, no, but I mean like if she hadn't like. Like, if he hadn't shown up, how would that? How would they have known? Like, no, they had to have had, at the very least, a picture of her. So, like, why had? Why did they decide to wait until he showed up? I don't think up? they waited. I think that we're supposed to assume that Michael got there just in the nick of time right before they did. That's Which is crazy. That's crazy. That doesn't make sense. Again, doesn't need to be that way. No, like, it doesn't. Like, they're, like, the thing that I just came up with, which is, they didn't know which one she was. Yeah. They just knew that there were a lot of brunette young women there, and they yeah. needed to figure out which one she was. And then Michael coming in, because they know that this dude has been, exactly. like, cock-blocking them, this whole murder plot. Yeah. Like... That, 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 that's plausible. That's I mean, plausible, like, but, they, but they didn't explain it. It would be weird. It's weird if they didn't know who... Like, if they were following him... Yeah, again, be... it, it doesn't make sense. But, and it also doesn't make sense that she, because she even says like, what, you think they're going to follow me, the person my mom cares the most about to get to my mom? Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. It's so, but this is my thing is I feel like the idea was supposed to be that she didn't think they were actually bad guys because she, it's not until that she sees bad guys that she like immediately changes her tune. Like she drastically changes her tune the very second that she sees bad guys. So she had to think that there weren't actually bad guys because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, but it also doesn't make sense because of all of the other details leading up to this, like, window slam moment. It's so stupid, but we're almost done, thank God. So uh, Michael is, like, running through the school, like, where's your shop class? I can do things with your shop class stuff. And she's like, it's back here. So they go there. Michael pulls the old uh, heated door handle trick, which is, like, the most Home Alone thing ever. He tells the girl to go off without him, which seems, like safe because how how is there, are there only two guys here to murder her he doesn't think that there are mo- possibly more yeah. guys like no go off on your own and his explanation is a good bodyguard tactic is to not fight around your person otherwise they might get hit with a stray bullet but also maybe have other bodyguards there exactly yeah no don't just, send her off on her own exactly to be caught yeah but it works out Hallelujah. Yeah. Michael beats up the guys in the shop class and then, oh look, it's a box of spark plugs. Which I thought was a really good no, idea. No, that's a good joke. That was such, that was a good joke, but it was also a really good like full circle yes. moment because it fully felt motivated. He ended up at a school and the best place for tools for hurting people is shop class. But you know what else is in shop class? Spark, spark plugs. And I was like, that 100% makes sense to me. That was a really good moment. Yes, that was. That was the most impressed I was this entire episode. Same. Very good moment. Uh, the daughter is crying, and she admits that she should have listened to him. They almost, like, they sort of faint that it didn't work, like, that she is kidding. Because, like, there's, like, a second where it's like, Sophie, Sophie. And I thought, oh, well, no, she obviously got kidnapped. Yeah, because, because you, of course she did, because you sent her off on her own when you know there are men following her. Um, which, like, would have gone along with the general theme of Michael Weston not being good at his job in this episode. Yeah, but, but no. no. It's, it's too late in the episode. They don't have time for that. Exactly. So she's fine. Yeah, so she's fine. Uh, and then they have a conversation, which I transcribe because it's a bonkers set of dialogue. And so she goes, I didn't get get a chance to say goodbye to my boyfriend. And he says, boyfriend, I thought he was your date. And she, she replies, he could have been my boyfriend. I'll never know now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where did that come from? Who is this girl? I don't know. It's just like calling, like, 
That's just like calling random people or like what is it like? Okay, the the thing that they're trying to do here is that is this is a dad a, moment. Yeah, this is a dad daddy daughter conversation. Like boyfriend, he's your boy. Like he's got to be all daddy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Because she immediately is like, well, he's not my boyfriend. It's like, well, why would you say that, crazy person? Um, anyway, Don't you know that teenage girls are crazy and they don't make sense? Well, if, if this episode was the only episode that an alien saw, I, that's what I would conclude. Exactly. Uh, so then Michael talks her down by explaining some of the backstory with him and Fiona about how he, he had to leave when without saying goodbye, which is why Fiona was mad at him at the beginning of the season. Uh, and she says, are you saying if we're meant to be together, we'll find each other? And he goes, sure. <laughs> which is kind of a funny moment. Yeah. Because that's ex- that's implicitly what he's saying with that example. Yeah. But also, she's like 16, so of course not. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a real thing. And also, like, I don't know if they're going to be able to come back. I don't know if that's like a hope that he should instill in it. Like, no, you're not you anymore. You're not so, like, it, no, it's gone. It's done. This is done. Clean break. It's done. But he's in daddy mode, so daddy mode has to be more supportive. Uh, not, that's not how I know daddy mode. <laughs> <sighs> Yummy. Uh, so we have another meeting with the core three with Fiona, Sam, and, uh, Michael, where Fiona continues, continues to needle Sam about being an FBI informant. And then Michael hatches a plan that involves tricking the bad guy, the Lexus man, into saying key phrases so they can fake some security footage while he films him from across the street. And the only thing that I want to say about this whole, like, very short-lived scheme where they're, like, surveying him is that he, like crouch walks across a rooftop in a very funny way and then duct tapes a camcorder to the roof and that's the extent of the scene but he has this very serious like voiceover around it and it's like this is the most totally inconsistent moment and it's amazing and i love it like how he's talking and like the he, like thing crab saying, walks to the thing duct tape it the thing that he's saying at the time is that like modern technology allows you to do like sophisticated surveillance with like we just go into your radio radio shack, radio shack. but like like, the idea of just, like, oh, this is so... I mean, it's funny to watch it in, like, 2019. And like, modern technology camcorders and, like, mm-hmm. duct taping this, like, fucking giant camcorder. Yeah, but it's just... I love that it just comes down to, I'm going to duct tape a camcorder. When he could have just held a camcorder. He was not involved in the rest of the scheme. He could have just stood up there with the camcorder. But no, he had to duct tape it to the roof. I guess. Fine. Whatever, Michael. So then they, they fake... Uh, they fake this tape where they get him to say phrases based on a conversation that they're having and Fiona's like checking off the phrases and then they recut the footage so that they just make him say those key phrases in a way that seems super incriminating. Uh, Sam gets the FBI to buy him lunch. Oh good, it's a good thing that Fiona mentioned it two scenes ago, otherwise we might have forgotten that Michael had an FBI tail that right. Sam reports to. He slips them uh, a, the doctored tape that they say looks really can, like good, even though it doesn't. It's no. obviously doctored. Yeah. Uh, then Michael pretends... That's never stopped the FBI. Oh my god. Um, then, well, these are white guys, though. Why would they do that to white guys? Anyways, uh, Michael pretends that they're faked tape, where the bad guy allegedly are wants... Are these white guys? Yeah. The Lexus driver is a white guy. I guess, yeah. I yeah guess. They're like vaguely Russian. Yeah, but no, but they're working for a cartel, though. Yeah, but they're but they're they're a distributor. They're not yeah. the cartel. Yeah. Actually, the the guy that turns state's evidence is white. The guys who eventually kill him yeah. are not. Yeah. 
we can't get bogged down in this. No, we can't. So anyway, so Michael pretends that they're faked tape where Lexus allegedly wants to turn state's evidence. It's 4th of July, so we're starting to get into uh, fireworks, <laughs> fireworks we're territory. Almost done. We're almost done. Um, so the, the fake tape basically says that the, the, the bad guy, the Lexus, wants to turn state's evidence so his assault charge that we learned about at the beginning of the episode, the one that the waitress witnessed, uh, would be dropped, and therefore the witnesses aren't needed. Yeah. They're making it look like Lexus guy is flipping. Yeah. So, so and- that they'll take care of him and not care so much about the witnesses. The only reason that any of the cartel guys want to get rid of the witnesses is because they want to protect their own. Yeah. But as soon as the one of their own turns on them... They no longer care about the witnesses uh, because their own is no longer their own. He's yeah. just a guy with a death wish. Um, and then he te- basically, when he's telling this to the lawyer, because he knows that the lawyer will like take care of the guy, he like punctures his car <laughs> in a yeah. really funny way, and, is, is and he goes, "That's for trying to kill me," yeah. which is like classic sassy Weston. Exactly. Uh, we watch the lawyer confront the bad guy and then stuff him in a trunk. Problem solved. Michael also during the scene gives Fiona her key. They have a moment, and then it's over. That moment, though, I talked about, like, hating the music on this show, but the score on that moment is, a spe- it's like this kind of, like, like plaintive blues riff, like, it's just, it's really bad music. It's <laughs> such, because it's like, it's supposed to be, like, emotional, generic blues action guitar. Sure. It's so bad. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, I don't like, notice that And the stuff, lighting but... of it is just so, like. It, it's so overdone. Yeah. Just, it's, it's so extra. Uh, if, they, if only they put that much effort into the script. Yeah. Uh, then Michael is working on his car when the single mom and her sh- newly reformed and reasonable daughter drop by to say thank you. They have a small moment of daddy issues, uh, but it prompts Michael to go visit his dad's grave. Yeah. So the final scene of the episode is Michael at his dad's grave. But in the most relatable moment of the episode, Michael multitasks visiting his father's grave with a meeting with the Egyptian spy who hands him a file to help him track down... Uh, the notice for him to get burned. Yeah. So uh, I really like this moment because it was so efficient. He's like, fine, mom, I'll visit dad's grave, but only because it's a great meeting spot for spies. Yes. That really like rang true for me. Yeah. So anyways, he's one step closer and that's the end of the episode. We don't have any dramatic like zoom in on the eye this time, but we do have new information and we get a little bit of closure to the daddy issues. Yes. Not too much closure because we've got seven more seasons. Exactly. But, uh, but he thanks them for the car or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the we've come full circle in terms of what this episode in yeah. particular was hitting on. Hitting. Get it? Abuse. Yeah, yeah. Abuse, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, so that's the episode. Love abuse jokes. Yeah, love those abuse jokes. Uh, we are very tactful on this episode, on this yeah. this podcast called Burn Noticed. Uh, so let's go through the spy tips really quickly before we rate the episode. So we've got international conferences. Again, super vague. Just yeah. international conferences. International conferences. Attract spies for the same reason hotel bars attract hookers. You can do business and drink for free. I do not consider this practical because it doesn't make sense because what is an international conference? Any conference that people from different countries go to? That's anything. Uh, yeah, that's true. Not practical. But uh, it's given me something to think about if I want to be a hooker. <laughs> is go to a hotel bar? Yeah. Cool. I haven't uh, thought of that before. The, the next piece of advice, which I do somewhat think is practical is any high security function is going to have a lot of oversight a lot of meetings a lot of bureaucrats checking up on each other and all the confusion of the big event it's easy for another bureaucrat to just show up uh and then he, he also clarifies the important thing is to disappear before people can ask questions which yeah. he doesn't do yeah no <laughs> does a real bad job at 
Uh, and then he here's another one. A successful escape comes down to being willing to do what the guy following you isn't. Like, yeah, that is good. Like, like jump off a building. Well, yeah. That's fair enough. Like, you gotta, you know, no pain, no gain. Exactly. That's uh, why I've never gained anything. Exactly. Then uh, another tip. Except, is, except wait, am I right? Uh, but I'm... Uh, then we get just a passive observation about how asking his mom for anything is like getting a favor from a mob boss. They'll help with a smile, but trust me, you'll pay for it. I mean, is this even a spy tip, or is it just uh, having it, a mom tip? It's kind of having a mob tip, but it, he mentions mob bosses, so I, I okay. felt it was worth mentioning here. It's yeah. not practical, but it is an observation. Yeah. Uh, convincing a bully to back down is usually just a matter of showing him you're not afraid of him. He's wrong in this case, but that's practical, I guess. Yeah. Is it? In very specific circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, and then this, this next tip is the beginning of a trend for this episode, which is, uh, you can do two things, which Ooh. is a trend in multiple, like, tips yeah. this episode. So the first one is, when faced with a superior force, you can do two things, retreat or attack with as much fanfare as possible. So this is the Molotov cocktail. Molotov cocktail, yeah. Um, and then immediately after this, the next tip is, outfitting a safe house is about two things. You need to know when someone is coming and you need to know how the folks you're protecting will get out if they do. Yes. Uh, so it's about like controlling your exits, exactly. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But once again, what? it's a two things. Two things. Uh, then we get another immediately very good tip, which is a $35 flood lamp has a pretty decent motion detector on it. Wire that to a cell phone and you have remote, uh, you have a remote alarm system that'll call you if there's trouble, which makes sense to me. That does make sense. It's not two things. Uh, that one's not a two things, but then there's, there's another one down cool. here. So then he also has a, a, a little comment about how commuters are great. They use the same route every day and it's like they're doing all their work for you. Like surveillance work. Uh, it's only one thing. Yeah, it's not very useful. No. Um, but it is a thing he said. Uh, but then here's another two things tip. Uh, threaten a criminal organization and they're going to do one of two things. Um, what are the things? Send someone to make a deal or send someone to make a corpse. <laughs> it's I, I get what they're doing with the parallel structure, but it was a little bit of a clumsy execution. Yeah. Make a corpse. That's I love it. It's very hard to boil. It is very hard boiled. Uh, and that's, I think, our final two things of the episode. But it's funny that three tips in this episode are literally, it comes down to one of two things. Would have been better if there was two tips. <laughs> it would have been better if they just changed their phrasing so that it wasn't so contrived. Uh. Like, either stick to it and make the whole episode uh, sort of like butterfly effect. You have two choices sort of yeah. a thing. Sliding doors kind of. Yeah. yeah. Or just do one. And then rephrase the other ones. It could be like a sliding doors thing, or it could be a butterfly effect thing. There's two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well done. Uh, when you go on the run, the first thing you do is lay down tracks in the opposite direction. Um, but it only works if the bad guys find the trail and believe it's real, which means you got to put on a show and make them feel clever. So we've already talked about this yeah. a lot because that's a good tip. They yeah. don't do that. <laughs> so bad job. Uh, next tip, approaching a spy in the middle of a job gives you a lot of leverage. They're playing a game and you're forcing them to keep their cover by dealing with you. So that's how he gets off yeah, the exactly. talk. But that's a good piece of advice is like, don't wait for them to be outside of a situation. Put yeah. them on the spot exactly. because they have a job to do and they have to deal with you. Yeah. Otherwise they'll blow their cover. That's a very good piece of advice. Exactly. Uh, they might kill you later, but you never know. Yeah. Um, but right now they're in public, so they can't. Uh, and then here's... So you like, you've highlighted this one as a good... A useful tip, even though it's a bad tip. Well, it's only a bad tip if there's only one of you. Yeah. But, like, usually in a bodyguarding situation, there are, like, safeguards and, like, backups. Michael just doesn't have that. Exactly. But the, the tip is, the basic rule of bodyguarding is never fight with the protectee around, because if they catch a stray bullet, you're out of a job. But it's also, like, fundamentally not engaging with the fact that the whole point of bodyguarding is you are there to protect them, but if you send them away, no one is there to protect them. Exactly. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I never saw the bodyguard. <laughs> I hear it's racist. 
Um, you can do surveillance with cheap stuff from a local tech store. Uh, and then we already talked about this yeah, one too, exactly. but it's a weird piece of advice when literally Michael crab walks across a roof with duct tape and a camcorder. Yeah. Uh, faking surveillance video has come a long way since VHS. That's the same thing. It's the same thing. And it's also passive and useless. Uh, and then a drug cartel is a business. If killing a witness to get an employee off the hook helps them out, they'll do it. But if they think that employee is turning his back on them, they'll be more than happy to ignore the witness to take care of the problem another way. That generalizes really well. Yeah. But it's also, like, not super practical. It's very specific. Yeah. So, like, outside of this one situation, it's not really going to be relevant. Do you think, like, a good spy tip, like, is has to be, like, effective to people who aren't spies? Well, it has to be practical. practical. And a lot of these aren't practical. Like, that's not a practical piece of advice that you can yeah. use in more than one situation. Gotcha, yeah. And so I don't consider it, yeah. in terms of our rules, practical. Uh, so, um, that's it. But... All right. Overall, it's more practical, or it's closer. I, it's, I did a count later like, on. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote how... So now we're rating the episode, and this is my note about this, is that while this is the most competently directed episode so far, which we've talked about, it's also pretty soulless, in my opinion. Everything from the cold open to the bizarre behavior of the daughter from the case of the week feels contrived and uninspired. Would you agree? Yeah, no. I, I There's a weird thing with this episode where I feel like I want to like it. Me too, because, because there's so many good it's moments. It's so comp- like it's so like what I it's, it's last well week. Last week we talked about I talked about how like in order for an episode of television has to be great, it has to kind of be about something. Mm-hmm. And this episode is very clearly trying to be about something. It's supposed it's about like Michael's relationship with his dad and like parenting and father. Like there's all these sort of things happening here, and there seems to like and there's a lot of potential for stuff. Like again, like there's a potential to like I. There was so much potential for this to be a story about... Because, like, Michael does, like, kind of fuck up. Like, because also, like, this this kind of weird through line that gets dropped, I don't know if it was intentional, of Michael fucking up a lot. And so, like, there's a nice way to dovetail this idea of, like, Michael's relationship with his dad and then Michael's relationship with this, like, kid and Michael fucking up and thinking about, oh, this is how my dad fucked up or whatever. And then, like, drawing, like, parallels with that sort of thing and that. And, like, there was a lot... And again, it was much more competently directed than everything else. And, like, mm-hmm. the piece... There was pieces there. Yeah, every scene could have stayed, but they yeah. should have been written very Exactly. A- on a scene level, all the execution is bad. Like, I think, mm-hmm. like, this is a really good beat sheet. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. And, like, a bit with a bad, like, story that, like, all the... Mm-hmm. Like, are, all the scenes are bad. Yeah. So I, so I definitely, like, off the bat, don't think it's a great episode of television. No, it is. I think it had all of the, like... Like uh, all of the potential to be one, yeah. but they fucked it up. Exactly. Like this could have been such a good episode. They just really dropped the ball. Exactly. I think they they got tuckered out after coming out uh, coming up with a theme, yeah. and then they just exactly. made an outline, not an episode. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of if it's a good episode of Burn, noticed. Uh, so for number one, uh, well, is it Spycraft versus violence? So I put. Um, is it a Spycraft episode? Because he starts out by just going direct it's, and then has to react to problems he causes rather than truly spying it up. It resolves with a fake security cape, which, tape, which is spy adjacent. Yeah. But it's I don't know. It's like weird how they come up with that idea like like 30 minutes into the episode. Yeah, in like the last half of the like third act. <laughs> exactly. It's like, like the very last thing that happened in this episode. Exactly. We're like, is there a reason why they couldn't have done that before? Because he's been, like, reacting to his fuck-ups too long. I know, but it was, like, it like it just seemed like yeah, there's no reason case. why he couldn't have done that instead of sending them on their way. 
Like, I don't, yeah. It, just, it, just, it felt like a very reactive episode. Yeah. So I don't know if I count that as spycraft versus violence. Because he does yeah. really just try to go violence really violent, But it's like, I, I, mean, I guess it is sort of like, But he doesn't really do violence either. He but does he do of, spycraft? No, but I mean, like, there's, he just kind of, like, intimidate, uh, trying to, like, he doesn't do anything. Like, it's like, so there's, I mean, definitely, he doesn't do spycraft. So do we are we failing this first time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so doesn't it's not it's not necessarily that it's violence over spycraft, but there certainly wasn't a lot of spycraft. I mean, like if the rule is spycraft good, then we fail. Yeah. If the rule is violence, this bad, is a show about a spy. If he doesn't do good spy exactly. spycraft, yeah, it's not very good. Um, number two, uh, practical versus like observational spy tip voiceover. Uh, nine out of the sixteen tips, because I counted, are practical. So it's cutting it close. But it is technically weighted in favor of practical. I disagree with a couple of us. I don't. It's certainly more but practical also, than last episode. Like that was true. Yes, because there's like a whole section where like like this middle section of spy tips was really good stuff. I don't know because I feel like also none of them seem particularly it like clever or like well like the the controlling the exits the uh, that the, was not the, bad. the security light thing that he hooks up to a cell phone like if you understood how to do that like I buy that that's how that makes sense because because yeah. like we know that uh, flood lamps like. Yeah. They're motion detectors. That's their whole purpose. And so, like, hooking that up to a slightly more powerful device to call you rather than just turning on a light. No, yeah, I'll get that. Clever. But, I mean, like, you, like you've said that, like, convincing a bully to back down is just a matter of shock. Like, that doesn't feel like a spy tip. That doesn't feel particularly practical either because bullies are, like, lots of, like, bullies aren't all the same. And sometimes if you try to, like, sometimes, like... Standing up to the bully just means getting your ass kicked. And but it's like, sometimes it means good things. Exactly, but that's like not, that's not a tip that, like, I, um, like, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like a lot of these things are, like, almost practical, but sort of not as, like, But they're practical. also not passive observations. And the whole point of this tenet... But that's what I'm saying. It's like... Is that, like, he's trying to be practical and pragmatic, and, like, the whole point of his spy tips voiceover is to give you spy tips. But when it's more observational, like, the, even if they're not good tips, they're more than observational. But, I mean, like, I think they sort of have to be kind of good tips. Otherwise, who cares if they're practical? You know? Well, but but like, but it's it's living up to what like the idea of that voiceover is supposed to be, which is he's giving you really practical yeah. like tips about being a spy. Yeah, and I mean, like, like it didn't feel like there was a lot to be in this one. I don't know, and I feel like some of them like are like a lot of some of the ones you've mentioned are, but then I feel like some of them like a lot well, of like them. this is practical ish. Like I I feel like I I would give you one or two of the ones that I originally highlighted, but then I would argue for ones that I didn't. Yeah, like because a lot of these are sort of on the line. That's what I'm saying is that they're all sort of like on the line and wishy-washy. But it's but it's close it's, to half like, weighted one way or the other. Yeah, it, I'm willing to give it a pass because they're like the ones that are practical feel like really practical. I know, but they also don't. I don't know. I feel like half the ones that are practical don't feel super practical, and also the ones that do. Don't like because I also think there's a thing about what makes them like makes the show fun is that they feel practical but also kind of clever and like none of them feel clever. Well, the or, the flood like thing is clever. The controlling the like you can only come in and out of this like door in the garage. This is why they can't just stay in your house. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like, like, like a I lot mean, of the middle safe house parts. It's not, I don't know. Like I didn't like any of them. I was like kind of down on that, but yeah. So, well, what are we giving uh, Criterion I mean, to? You're hosting this episode, so it's up to you. I think that it's close, but I, I will give it to them. Okay. Because I think that it, the, the ones that are practical are practical enough that, especially considering last week's episode, 
this it feels like a stronger case for they're doing what they're supposed to be if not yeah. well they are doing it like okay. in the most technical sense of the term gotcha i'll take that um then three is distinct alias i will say though like that was the argument that i, I i'm accepting that because that's kind of the argument i made for last week's alias yeah yes and we're still early days so they're still fighting their footing exactly um yeah. But uh, number three, distinct alias. Nope, he's just direct, which is boring. Yeah, he's just Michael Weston. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and then number four, I I will give them this because Fee and her Molotov cocktails are to the rescue, which yeah. was a very fun scene and very good use of Fiona and yeah. her one character trait other than loving Michael. Uh, I will also give it to them for Sam because like one of the only what things is... he does in the episode is like, wait, why don't I get to do the cocktail waitress one? Yeah, I don't know. It's like maybe. But it, that that tenant only requires one of the side characters to be used well. It doesn't need to be both. Oh, it doesn't? Okay, yeah. We, we phrase it as or. Okay. Um, but this episode only has two of the four. Yeah. And we need at least three to consider it a great Burn Notice episode. So not. even though it was so close to being a good Burn Notice episode and a great episode of television, it, it falls flat. on both on those. But like... Yeah. And it's a shame. Because like, like we've talked about it multiple points, like it had all of the like... Like, had, the, the pillars of a good episode of yeah. television. It just, like, fucked them up halfway up. Exactly. It was just, like, again, like, I felt like there was, like, a good beat sheet there. And, like... And that's all they did. Yeah. And then just... And I'm curious, because, like, also, all the notably, writers who were on this episode, like, how... Is it just that, like, Matt Nix can't write scenes? Like, or is it, like... I have that no he, idea. On his final pass? Like, what the fuck? I, I guess they just weren't as passionate about this episode, which is yeah. too bad. Uh, also notable about this episode is no yogurt. I actually, like, uh, kind of there grazed through it on my way, like, w- before you were coming over, just to, like, double check if there was a yogurt or not. Nothing. No, not, no, there was not any yogurt. There was no yogurt. At one point, Michael reaches into his fridge, and I was like, ooh, he's going to get yogurt. But no, he just got, like, an ice pack to, like, ice yeah. his, his ankle after he jumped off the roof. Wait, didn't Sam eat yogurt? When? Because I... Sam is always out in this episode. We never see him in Michael's house. Because I feel like Sam. I watch an episode of Burn Notice today, and I only watched one. <laughs> Which it is was this one. one. And, like, Sam was, like, drinking yogurt like it was when? in this episode of television. No, 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 but what I'm saying is I don't think we ever see Sam in one of their apartments or houses. I feel like Sam is always out to lunch or out to drink. Sam no, has I never like seen was... I know I saw him because I remember thinking it was so weird. Oh, oh, it's during when they're cutting together the fake spy tip. That's the yeah. only time it would have made sense. Exactly, yeah. And he's just like, no spoon or anything. Okay, so there might be one yogurt in this episode. Happy Fourth of July. Definitely not a gun. <laughs> Definitely not a gun, probably. Yeah. No, yeah, but like, no, he. there is yogurt. There's yogurt in this episode, but Michael does not eat it. Yeah, I mean, that's irrelevant, because last episode, Michael didn't need it either. Fiona held it up to his face. We, we got edged. We, we got edged for the yogurt, but didn't get it. Yeah. But yeah, so we have we have officially determined that episode three of Burn Notice is an episode of television and nothing more. Yes. But it was so close, so we know this show has potential, yeah. and I feel hopeful for the future. So uh, thanks again to Vincent E.L. for our amazing theme music that also agrees that the music from Burn Notice sucks. Yes. You can find more of his work at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And uh, burned. Burned. <laughs>